We are not licensed professionals or therapists, and we are not attempting to diagnose, treat, prevent, or cure. This podcast is strictly our experiences and opinions only. Welcome to the Phoenix Rising Podcast. Oscar, thanks for being here. So glad that you reached out to me and wanted to be on here and and share your insight. I've checked out your content on your TikTok and learned a little bit about you and what you do to help people with their self-worth and their growth. So I want you to, to explain to those listening what it is that you you do and how it is that you got into this work yeah absolutely uh so we got into this work um not even knowing it was how being stuck and i didn't know i was stuck and a lot of things that get normalized in society um make it so available to us such as alcohol um stuff like that My therapist was like, I was like, you're dating a narcissist. And it was it wasn't something that like I labeled, something my therapist labeled back um like twenty seventeen. And I was finding myself in and out and I find myself in these uh, cycles of being in a perfect relationship and being in a miserable relationship, right? And then being stuck. And it wasn't until I started to realize I don't change my life, and in five years, at that point, five years, ten years, I might be putting my family in a situation where I'm no longer happy with my son. And the reason why I say that is because um, my son was doing self-harm. He was cutting himself. Oh, no. And then I asked myself, I asked myself at that moment, it's like, what, what type of parents am I being that's creating a space for And I asked myself, what parts of my life am I not being loving towards myself? And the first thing that showed up was uh, my alcohol use. And it wasn't until like 2019 that I started to see like, okay, if, if I want something to change my life, I have to change my life. Yeah. And soon after, I did a 30-day alcohol cleanse, uh, like dry January thing for 30 days. And then I ended those 30 days. I'm like, okay, that wasn't bad. Let's, uh, let's do another 30 days. And then like, okay, 60 days. Okay, let's do another 60 days. Okay, 60 days, let's do like 120. And now I'm like four years uh, alcohol-free. But Congrats. Gave up alcohol. I, I uh, that 
relationship that I was in, like, withered away. It just, like, withered. Okay, well, if I'm no longer drinking alcohol, now I see why I don't want to be in this. Yeah. And then soon after that, as a man, I gave up uh, porn. Porn, like, it's an epidemic in, in, in a lot of, like, men and young men's lives. So giving up alcohol, giving up a toxic relationship, giving up pornography, I just looked back, I'm like, well, let, let's keep going. And I started to share my story on social media, and I went from like a group of 10 people to over to like now over like 4,000 people who are also struggling with the same type of either addictions, vices, and coping mechanisms because there's not really a safe space to say, hey, look, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurting. And then just so happens it just so happens that uh, a lot of men don't feel comfortable talking about any of that but um, I kind of have a I don't give a fuck attitude <laughs> I'll just I'll, I'll just say it because yeah. it needs to be said um, especially when I see somebody who's either taking their own life I ask myself what what part of his voice was not being heard that allowed him to, to, to end his own that's hard, yeah. And and what you discovered is very powerful, but a lot of people, especially men, are not probably don't know how to find that. To find that self-awareness. My question is, how can you develop that as far as communication's difficult? Um setting the healthy boundaries with like yourself is difficult. How how what advice could you give others? to do that now um, yeah i think i think honesty and being being honest with yourself is by far the hardest conversation to have um you know let alone being honest with somebody you know yeah. but we we as men at times feel like shame is like we don't want to fake shame that we develop a bubble of shame with their own selves um, and for me, the most honest conversations I had was, fuck, I need help. When I, when I saw that, uh, when I saw that as a, as like, I'm hurt and I need something outside of me, like that conversation within myself was like, man, I need help. Like something needs to change. But a lot of times we don't want to make the change mm -hmm. because at that point, um, if we don't care about ourselves, if we're just like shooting down glasses of like uh, of tequila, we're just coming home and we're, our, our place is a mess. Like we, we don't care about ourselves. Why would we care about bettering our lives? For me, I had to seek for something greater. Like if I don't change, what's gonna happen in my life? And, and, and in my case was my son, was my 13 year old boy. Like I imagine um, being on my son's funeral if I didn't change so you know if I if I didn't care about my life that's one thing like who gives a fuck but my son if I'm standing at his funeral that's when it was like I, I gotta change I need help and having something like that to kind of wake you up in a way I know a lot of people say hitting rock bottom is when people start to kind of realize they need to change how can people get there before, like, is it possible, you think, to recognize that before you hit that rock bottom stage as far as 
making that change or do you think that really like where your mentality was thinking of something really hard that you didn't want to see was the only way that was going to get you out of it? Yeah, I think, you know, thank God for technology and, and there's a lot of cons of technology because there's a lot of addiction, but there, there's a pro in technology and that is uh, my phone, for example, will send me reminders of like, oh, a year ago you were experiencing this mm-hmm. picture of like you at the beach with your friends or years ago you were at a gathering and a way to kind of like just gauge and have a metric of how you feel uh, is to look is to look back at a point in your life and like what in the past three months six months was a highlight of my life and how am I going to compare that to where I'm feeling now and a lot of things that I tell people that I work with uh, when I'm doing coaching calls with them is to consistently use the as a guide, as a tool. And for people who are not familiar with the feelings wheel, it was a tool developed uh, uh, by counselors and therapists where it has core feelings in, in the inside of the wheel. It has like sad, angry, mad. And then from those feelings, there's external feelings that are attached to it. So sad could uh, you know, lead to surprise and then, or angry could lead to frustrated and from, from those uh, middle feelings, there's an external feeling. So you keep following your feelings to see where you're at. And if you're kind of stuck and angry or sad within like in, in, within a week's time, a couple weeks, that's a really good needle of indication of like, where are you? Mm-hmm. And if you've been in those feelings for such a long time, look back in your most recent time where you feel surprised, elated, happy, joyful, loving, uh, you felt ecstatic about experiencing your life, and that should really gauge. Okay, what am I? What habits am I doing? What state am I being now compared to at that point in my life where I felt like joyful? Um, and know that you always have control. Like you, you always have control over your life, even though your partner might have left or your or you got fired from your job. You always have control over feelings and that's like mastery of a human self is to know that awareness of like 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 Jane have that realization like she's like man I feel like shit like mm-hmm. I need help like that in itself is mastery and I love that you said that because that's hard for some people I think it's really good that you brought that up because you you are in control of your emotions and it's so difficult and I think it does take practice but being able to be in control of that is going to definitely better yourself. So when it comes to being in a relationship and a lot of, a lot of listeners are probably ones that are in or have been in some kind of abusive or narcissistic relationship. What are some tools with those that have been in that, that can cope with the healing afterwards? Like recognizing they're in it and being able to leave is something that's going to be difficult for them as far as the healing part, like, yeah. like the grief and, and all of that. What, what in, as far as your advice? Yeah. yeah I think with a lot of people with any type of relationship, but in any, any specific uh, unhealthy relationship, always start to dwindle down in cycles. Like 
towards the end of any relationship, any unhealthy relationship, like, like let's just talk about a healthy relationship. A healthy relationship, yeah. like both people can acknowledge, like, hey, this is not working out. Like, you know what? Thank you for giving me my attention. And both can feel that space of like separation and really just move forward. Mm-hmm. That's like ideally that that's a healthy, healthy relationship. Just two conscious adults uh, or people in a relationship realizing like this is not working out. I got to really even if there's nothing wrong with like that person, they just kind of know. Yeah. Now, an unhealthy relationship, and you can categorize like abuse, narcissism, um, uh, even people with like uh, their own with with addictions. With one person, it's like you know might seem like they're they're completely aligned while they're in a relationship with someone who's in a toxic life, and uh, their life is just kind of crumbling from their own habits or you'll start to see these cycles towards the end of that relationship. And those cycles can become very, very dangerous because as you, I always kind of see it as like, um, you know, I ask people like, what did you have for lunch last Thursday? They're like, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't, I can't recall. I'm like, okay, can you tell me the last time you were, uh, your first car accident? And they'll give you specifically the weather, the car, the person. And the reason why I bring that our bodies, our nervous system get enmeshed in an impact like of these cycles that they come back to from an impact that's disruptive and then they start to go in an aspect high. So it starts to become very high, then very low, very high, very low as these cycles go through. And the more a person ends in those cycles, the more your body gets accustomed to that then you kind of become like an addict where you're expecting the high, but you're also expecting the crash when you go high. And that that can get really, really dangerous. I don't want to use the word deadly, but that can get something that lives so longing for. Like your body starts to like, okay, where's our fix? Where is our person? Where's our text message? Where is our, uh, where's the breakdown? You know? And then once the body gets that, then they want the body seeks that hugging, the cuddling, the makeup specs, the, the I love you, I'm sorry, the, the, okay, let me pick you out, you know, the flowers and whatnot. That moment when a relationship finally does end, the body gets accustomed to that vicious cycle that you're really going to have to go through that murkiness, that it's going to be painful. Like It's going to become like an addict going through withdrawals. Like, where's this person? Why have they not sent me a text message? What I always tell people is that you're going to have to have a loving, if you can, a loving support group. It, it, that's always going to help. A loving support group, at least like one person, a counselor, two close friends to let them know, I need help to get out of this cycle. Mm-hmm. You also have to bring like a level of awareness to be able to say like, I need help. And then from there, there's a lot of self-compassion. A lot of self-compassion that you know that's this work not healthy for you, but you do need a lot. You need, you need it and knowing that you are not going to recover and detach. And I always tell this to everybody I work with. There's a day. There's a day that you will wake up, that your heart will no longer start racing, that you will no longer have those thoughts early in the morning of that person, that you will no longer speak, you know, you know, grab your phone, waiting for that text message. There will be a day, and this is more of a hope, that you'll wake up and you'll 
if it's just one person in the room that can encourage them to walk this path. Yeah, I love that. How how can somebody that's going through that how how can you find that self love? Like how can you work on yourself during that? Because I know when you go through a relationship that's over and you go through all of the processes of grieving and you know wanting to constantly call them you know and then you get those feelings of insecurity how what's some good advice that you can give as far as finding the self-love for yourself because I think that's one of the hardest things we have because you want to go back in the past and what if and repair but also it's important to fix and love yourself yeah one thing I've get so stuck in our head mm-hmm. we get we get stuck ruminating we get stuck replaying the scenario we get stuck you know asking ourselves if i would have xyz done this then perhaps you know we get so stuck in our head and a practice i like to tell people is just to get into somatic work and for people who don't i'm not familiar with somatic work this is dropping yourself into your body um so therapeutic and it's so simple but even if you have these racing thoughts like early in the morning as you wake up and immediately your body does the thing where it scans itself to make sure your lens are still here and your brain does like a a reboot like like a computer and make sure there's like you're still in Mm -hmm. what happens is in a matter of two three seconds your brain's gonna go and call back It will see this attachment as a threat. How can you not attach to the person that's giving you um, your coupling sensation of, of being recognized as a whole? Um, and so your mind will start to ruminate early in the morning. So what I tell people is as soon as you wake up, like have your gym shoes out by the door, have your gym clothes. Like even if you go out for a walk, mm-hmm. channel this energy you drop down to your body and your body's going to be like I don't want to do this I don't want to do that but this is when you tell your, your body like 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 just 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 go out there like master your body master master your your thoughts go out there go out for the run and get yourself in a state of empowerment and even going and walking you'll see that you'll start to breathe uh, differently, you'll start to breathe deeper, and you'll even have to find in your back and shoulders you rest, and you'll be in a state of empowerment. Yes, you'll still have those thoughts, nothing in your life happens, it will change, but your physiology will change. That you will start to, like, you know, like, okay, I am leader, I am taking control of my body, therefore, I'm taking control of myself. And I always tell people, like, if you make this into a habit, even if it's just three, four times a day. Like you are taking control of your body at that moment. And towards the end of that exercise, towards that walk with that dog, I always have people like find a quiet place, sit under a tree, sit if you're back home on your couch, close your eyes, and just feel your heartbeat. And that heartbeat itself, like that like that pulsating out from your inside your chest is your heart telling you, I'm doing this for you. And it's a reminder that your heart, like your that's keeping you alive mm-hmm. it's doing it for you 
your mind's gonna want to think about, okay, but what about Stacy or Mike? You know, they did they, they call you that one thing. That's your mind and your ego trying to fix what you that's a threat. But your heart, if you is telling you, I'm I'm keeping you alive for you. You're, you're worthy enough to be alive right now, and you can feel it by this pulse that I'm giving you at this moment. That is so powerful. I love that. It's such a good reminder because all of us are in our heads all the time, especially right when you wake up. It's it's like that initial reminder of, oh, this is why I'm miserable. Yeah, and I was going to say that we're so accustomed to waking up and checking our phone. Like, yeah. we, we want to we, we, we wanna find them. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is we wake up, we open up Instagram or the news or the email. So our mind wants to find the threat. What I tell people is don't even check your phone for the first hour. Like have your have figure out threats that your mind perceives. And those threats you're gonna find are from the past. They're not happening in this very moment unless your house is on fire. But if if you if you don't check your phone the first hour and if you're going through that separation stage after and, and the relationship ends, you'll have your own threats, which means that your body will get into its own like start to spike its own cortisol, its its own adrenaline, and we want that. Because we want to manage all those chemicals that are happening within our body outside our, of, of ourselves, outside of like the news, outside of like what's happening in social media. We want to master our own feelings, our own chemicals, our own emotions within ourselves before we turn on the phone, before we actually start adding additional synthetic threats into our life. Like one of the most peaceful things anybody can do is stop watching. Mm-hmm. We want synthetic threats. Like, I, I pray for people that are that are having you know, natural disasters around the world. Like, I, I pray for them. But in this moment in my day, in my own home, this is my this is my peace. Yeah. My children are the things that are the bodies that that matter within proximity. And that's and that's powerful. You're taking ownership of your own responsibility. Right. So it's like it's like being more present instead of focusing on every all those outside things that are going to, like you said, cause those threats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that so much. It's such a good reminder to do that. I'm like, now I'm going to be putting my shoes by my bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you get, if you get up and start moving your body and put yourself in an empowering space, like even if you go out there and you start to sweat and breathe in fresh air, your body's Yeah, that's so great. So what if like during the day, you may have already addressed this, but like what if like throughout the day, I mean, you get up, you go outside, you do all those things. What about these like people call them intrusive thoughts that kind of come in during the day? Like even though you are doing your breathing or or if you're meditating, you're going outside and you're getting these, What's what are some things like maybe during the day that could help kind of like bring you back into your self-awareness yeah and so what i you know i have a lot of perception for people to to end a relationship um and the reason why that is because as human beings like it's in our it's embedded in our dna to have perfect experience and behavior yeah um, because if we did not have that like our ancestors they wouldn't survive so 
our, our nervous system is wired to not talk so much. Mm-hmm. Um, however, when we end a relationship um, and those thoughts come through the brain, like, hey, where's where's Stacy at? Or, hey, where's, where's Mike at? Like, why, why can't we talk? Thoughts are going to start to, to happen. This is where I tell people to practice mindfulness. And mindfulness in this form comes from the brain's detachments of the thoughts. So, for example, let's just say you have a thought. You're at, you're at work. Um, a feeling of missing somebody comes up, or missing a, a betrayal comes up, and it's just a thought. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a thought that's in your mind. Now, the relationship we have with this thought, it's going to determine how we're going to respond and or react to it. So let's just say I'm sitting in the bed on my desk and I have a thought of like missing Stacy, you know, it's like oh. So then there's probably perhaps like a, a, a sense of longingness mm-hmm. or, you know, or grief. What I can do is I can detach myself from that thought and I can observe it. I can observe that thought like, oh, look at me. I'm actually having a thought about the past. And I'm seeing that I am making this thought as a way for me to grieve. And you know, it might have some sensation of longing for the relationship. But I'm just going to observe the thought as I'm sitting in my desk, as I'm sitting in my chair, as I'm having my elbows on this platform. So I'm kind of coming back to the present moment. And it's like, and I'm, and, and like I'm realizing I'm having this thought on this Tuesday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm realizing that I'm experiencing a form of detachment from a relationship that at one point in the moment meant something a lot greater than and I'm just experiencing these feelings that come after any relationship, even after it ends. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, when your puppy dies and you're not in the relationship. Yeah. <laughs> not, not to make it as, as sadistic as that, but I'm just like, oh, I'm just putting my body, my mind, and my nervous system that I'm having normal feelings that come after a relationship ends. So it's having a sense of mindfulness mm-hmm. and centeredness of this of, of the present moment and know that you know the more I practice the mindfulness it it really becomes like oh this thought is just passing through my head right. and there might be another thought that comes soon after that but it'll just be a practice that I'm like detaching myself and these are just thoughts that are just floating through my space I love that and you're still addressing it like that it's there not pushing it away. I know that's a big thing that a lot of people do is they like to push it down or push it away and not, and not feel that. And that was one thing that I um, was going to ask too about like communication, those that struggle with, with that side of the communication. And I know I'm not saying it's like all men at all, but I know that that can be a hard thing because women are very, most of the time, open and communicate their feelings and as far as like how can we early on be comfortable and feel those feelings to communicate them there should be a a checklist with yourself like what am I feeling how much of these feelings are attached to the current situation that's been detaching from this relationship Mm -hmm. how much how many how much of these feelings are actually true to me and 
are any of these empowering for you? Um, just having kind of like a checklist, like everything that is funny, every piece of technology that's out there from your TV to your car to your phone, as soon as you turn it on, it has like, it goes through like a system of checks. And in the mornings, again, you know, from like my personal family, you should have a system check. And then in the afternoon, you should have a system check. And throughout the day, you should have a system check, like for mind, body, and spirits. Um, and just becoming mindful. And in like in, in in a sense, like we as human beings from the very beginning, like we always trying to find like more of that self awareness. Unknowingly, we try to seek that self awareness, and you know, going to those like other practices, like enlightenment has always been something as human beings. As we seek enlightenment, we start to become mindful of what it is that we're experiencing in this life. So consistently having an honest conversation self and, and to translate that conversation and say it that's why I feel like support groups even AA having a counselor having a really good friend a good listening ear having a system check with that person um, I know in the early stages of my my recovery from alcohol or even from any relationship I would have a, a 10 a 10, a 10 10, 10 p.m. Every night at 10 o'clock at 10 p.m., I would have a system check with the closest friend of mine. And we will talk about our day and we will talk about what moments we experienced in this empowering feeling. And then we would talk about how we would reverse those that same moment and what we could, what we did, you know, that led us towards empowerment and or led us towards disempowerment. And if you catch what I'm saying, I'm not saying bad or good feelings negative feelings or, or, or I feel bad because we don't want to bring any shame to this. We want to bring a sense of empowerment towards our lives. Now, not to say that I'm doing bad or I feel bad. I just don't feel as empowered as I might have expected. And does that work a lot as far as like with shame? Because I know a lot of recovering addicts feel not only guilt, but the shame too when it comes to using and, and trying to be in recovery, do you feel that that, at least with you personally, can help as far as kind of checking in with yourself and just being mindful of, of that feeling? And, and because shame is, is so hard because guilt, we all feel guilt a lot, but shame is so much deeper. And I, and I know personally I've seen those go through the shame, even though they've recovered from addiction and it's, still hurtful to them yeah so the difference between guilt and shame is guilt is feeling bad for something that we did while shame is feeling bad for who we are mm-hmm. and people who are in recovery or in addictive cycles um, shame is such a powerful feeling when you feel bad for who you are um, that can be that can get I would suggest to anybody who what I would suggest to anybody who's going through a recovery stage of their life is is no is it's just kind of bringing in like splitting a, a path of where you're at 
and let's just say you're not, let's just say you're not, like, for, I'll take myself for example. Right now, I'm not, mm-hmm. but let's just say I decided from this life path to start drinking again. And then I will write down the points of what that would look like. Okay, if I start drinking again, it would temporarily feel elated or feel good or it'd be in the moment. But afterwards, I will start to feel depressed, sad, uh, anxiety, feeling low. That's one life path. So like I'm being aware, I'm being accountable and that's the normal life path of what this action is. Yeah. Okay. I'm not drinking right now. Let's just say and this could be a day to day basis kind of thing. Right? And I could ask myself, okay, what if I don't drink today? Okay, cool. Well then I'll have I'll I'll probably do a sip of water because I use alcohol and stuff that the way to like feel something that would, you know, or fun. Uh, if I don't drink today, I'm going to be productive. I'm going to be a lot more stable in my emotions. And I'm going to feel a bit more accomplished if I go to do, you know, my chores or go show up to work on time or pick up my kid on time or mm-hmm. be able to go to the gym. How would that feel? Like, man, I'll actually feel really good about myself. And just seeing those two different that you have the power to choose either one. Like, just being able to observe, like, choose your own adventure kind of thing. You could choose this path, or you could choose that path. Yeah. And if, let's just say you decided to go towards that path, your mind is going to know that you had a choice to go either way. Um, and at the end of the day, at the end of the day, look at what point in your day you chose to empower yourself or disempower yourself. I love that. And it's like, again, like with the self-awareness, you're kind of paying attention to where your thoughts are going and observing them and kind of choosing which direction your day is going to go and how you're, where your feelings are going to go. And I, and I think that's, I think that's so hard to do. I mean, like me personally, that's kind of being aware of these feelings coming in and making that, making that choice. I think that's where you can create good habits and bad habits. One thing I got um, that's really helped me out, and I got it from um, doing Dr. Joseph Benson's work, is remember your future. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, so remember your future. Remember your future. Yeah, because we never remember. We're always thinking of our past. (laughs) Yeah, right. We're always thinking about our past. We're always thinking about things that, you know, we didn't do. We can also, for people who like to feel some sense of shame or guilt, like we could, I can easily take a life experience of my past and and instantly feel shame. Yeah. Like I I can. Like it's it's, like I have a whole Rolodex what if I can actually sit with myself and this is part of that mindfulness as well in the morning or in the afternoon or before we go to bed is to re- just to remember um, the points in your life like that will happen in your future that is happening in your future that's going to happen in your future and you can just feel like oh my god I've been seven days sober oh my god it's been two weeks since I haven't come that person 
and oh my god, it's been three months, and I've been able to be on this goal, on my journey, on my healing journey. Like, how is that gonna feel? And so you start to rewire your brain mm-hmm. with that sensation and that feeling of that win of your future. And if you want to get a little bit more um, into, if you if you really want to get more into Doctor Joe's work, that possibility of that. Becky or that author that has already reached a milestone of their future, that's actually already has happened. You're going to bridge that possibility of that Becky mm-hmm. into this current reality, and we're just going to bridge them together. But it's going to require you to know that that future self of you, your highest self you, is already in existence, is rooting for you, and you're just remembering that version of that Becky living life fully, living life joyful, living life like either drug, alcohol free, living life without any type of disempowering relationship. And that Becky is like waking up, smiling as her child in her arms, going down to the park and just really embracing life in a very joyful way. Like that version of ourselves is already in existence. I love that you said that because I I know that that's sometimes hard for people to think that way because you're constantly in your worries and your stress a lot. But that just makes me feel so excited for others to think of this future self that's already waiting, <laughs> like waiting for you. Like we're I'm over here. Let let's have this yeah. happen. It's it's good. It's great out here <laughs> in the future. There's a, there's a meditation uh, from Dr. Joe Dispenza that just came. Changing boxes. It's like a shorter version of the longer changing boxes meditation. Mm-hmm. But he 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 has you like you know. It's just imagine yourself in this current box that you're in, mm-hmm. and this is all that's happening in your life. And then he has you think about like a future box that's already like in a whole different plane. And he has you link your current box to this box. You put yourself in this. I love that meditation because you've seen yourself living the life that you wanted. You see yourself accomplishing the things that you wanted. You see yourself feeling the feelings that you want to bridge for that day, for that, for that, for that time that, mm-hmm. that you want to move into. And, and a lot of people are like, your brain's like, wait, what? We're using our imagination for something that hasn't happened. That is like, uh, uh, your brain's like going to try to make sense of it because it's more of like that logical. But if your your heart is it's, it's all feeling. It doesn't know if it's happening now. It doesn't know if it's happening, you know, in two weeks. It's just, it's just if you give it that sensation of feeling of joy, love, gratitude, peace, and you're actually feeling the feeling, you're moving closer to that reality. I'm going to have to look that up because that's, that's another way to, like, a powerful way to think about the future, right. which is really important. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, another thing I was going to ask you um kind of mentioned it was i think the biggest thing that a lot of us can go through with these relationships is feeling of betrayal and especially if it's kind of on one part of the relationship that you don't have control over what's a what's a good way that we can overcome and and heal from from betrayal of others whether it's yeah. like relationship or or maybe it's being raised with parents that are narcissistic, you know, like 
feeling yeah. that betrayal is is a hard emotion because it's not necessarily something that you have done. And so healing from that is something that, that can be very difficult. Yeah, one thing I tell people that I've experienced this myself through betrayal is that we make ourselves wrong. And that that's that's like that's 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 the formula of betrayal, like that that is the because I feel the, the feelings that come from betrayal, um, anger, sadness, despair. Um, there are feelings, so let's just go ahead and own them, but not because of us, it's because someone else's actions. I remember one time uh, I've been in a relationship and I just felt completely, I felt betrayed. And I had to realize that person is so hurt yeah. that they're hurt. Their way of relating to towards me was to hurt me, and their actions, their actions of what they're feeling, of whatever it is that they're, um, you know, I I heard this somewhere. It's like you're not dating somebody when you're in a relationship. You're not. You're not dating anyone you date, so like it's not it's 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 your feelings also it's mentally draining from mm-hmm. you're dating the version of, of your inner child, your unhealed inner child. So the version of wounds that they're they haven't fully healed, that person through that pain chose to take an action to hurt you. And I had to have a lot of compassion that person as for being at a level of hurt that they wanted to hurt me and that hurt came through from the betrayal and that was like a reoccurring thing for me to remind myself it wasn't because of me like because they are hurt and I had to I had to switch my my anger uh, my grief towards That is, that's powerful. That's, that's hard to shift your mindset because sometimes we, when we're betrayed, we feel so angry at them and you want to blame them, but being able to look at them with compassion, that, that takes a lot of strength to do. Yeah. My, my biggest teacher in my life, and one of them had been my mom Mm -hmm. and growing up um, with my mom. Like I like for me like walking through the door like from elementary school and middle school and I would introduce them to her dad yelled at um, pushed away silenced ignored and it was like consistent like it was a consistent daily um, sequence of events for me to come home like and I would dread coming home because I would get yelled at I would get just like. Uh, so that for me was a norm, but it wasn't until later on that I realized my mom was going through her own pain. Yeah. That her way of relating her pain was just to spill it onto others. And she, and, 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 and I was, you know, that version of me as an adult where 
had so much compassion wow this woman has been through so much she's in such a pain that I have to really love her love even at times I have to love her from, all, from afar yeah. just to protect myself but know that she has been in so much pain that she chose to hurt others the only way she could so I really had to learn to love with compassion for my own mother because she didn't get that level of compassion or love as a child right. and later on like later on later on later on I'm like, oh, my mom didn't my mom's my grandmother died to my mom, so she was giving that type of love and compassion yeah. at an early age, um, and she was raised by my grandfather, who was like in my family, her brothers who were older, so she didn't really have a nurturing side. So yeah. my my myself as a child seeked that nurturing side and never fully got it until I realized I can give it to myself. Like I can I can develop a healthy feminine part of my of my inner being um and it, interesting enough like i picked two beat partners that replicated my mom and myself's interaction as a kid i kept choosing partners that made me feel less than um that made me feel unseen and unheard and i just kept choosing this dynamic because i realized that i, I was trying to um, through other women that I dated and it wasn't until I realized like it just like that's, it's not my job to fix me it's only my job to give myself this self-love and self-compassion and that's honestly the, the reason why I gave up alcohol and porn and all these other vices because it was I, I was the one um, and that's why I call my page take your power back because all that's empowering yourself is self-love self-nurturing while still being able to observe people in your own journey and your own growth and your own path that, that takes a lot of strength I I just think that's very inspiring of you to be able to recognize that I think that's the biggest thing with people is this constant pattern of being with the same person mm-hmm. and to to kind of break that cycle and be aware of what the pattern is stemmed from takes a lot of work but I feel like like with you once you realize it I'm sure after that it was a lot easier to recognize certain patterns within relationships that were healthy or not in that in that sense yeah yeah I think um as you as anyone anybody who's in a healing journey will come across a angels that are walking on this earth and what i mean by that is that i got to see glimpses and have people come into my life once i chose that i wanted to be on this healing journey that gave me very unconditional love that gave me this altruistic sense of being seen and heard and those people i started to create um i saw them as mentors um, who they've been on the I got to experience what love is like even them holding space even them listening was the highest form of love because as a kid I never was heard or seen yeah. but once I came across people that gave me the gift of listening like 
I saw that as the biggest, um, the, the biggest form of love. Um, that's why that's one of one of my triggers now is, and I re- I recognize it is being blocked. Like when people ignore me or block me, not not even coming to a compromise or coming to the table to talk about it. When people just see, mm-hmm. I recognize that as one of my biggest triggers, only because that's how, um, as a child, I saw that. I'm not worthy enough yeah. to speak. So listening or giving somebody the space to listen is probably one of the highest forms of love. Oh, yeah. And, and I think it's important, too. It stems from your upbringing as well. I mean, everyone's is different, but usually that sometimes can play a part of it in what is important to you, what you seek in relationships, what maybe you lacked being raised or or your dynamic of growing up. And so I think that's really important for those that are on a healing journey, those that are listening, those that are, um, may reach out and find you. What's the biggest advice you can give for those on their healing journey? Because I know it's not easy and it's a lot of work. What is something that can help motivate others to go on this, this healing journey and to keep going and, to know the positive effect that, that it can have on them. That you're not alone. I think there's a movement of people awakening and sharing their story. And you're one of them. You know, and they're, you're, you're, we were talking about this earlier, like the brave ones. Uh, and then you know, you know, bring it down also. The brave ones are the ones who are willing to be vulnerable to others. Yeah. Um, anybody who's on their healing It may feel like you're alone because you're experiencing these feelings internally, um, but you're you're really not alone. That's why I always have like in my space, um, through my counseling, people are always feel like they're, they're always free to reach out, and it's not about like growing your your platform. It's not about that. It's like right. I think the, the and I heard this song one time. You know, I hurt others, hurt others. Like the people in my past who very disempowering in relationships. Like I almost I ended up getting hurt or my mom, you know, just hurting me because she was hurt. But heal people, heal people. And if you find yourself in your community, even if you start following there's somebody, um, just through social media and you get to listen to their story. And even if you write a comment mm-hmm. um, on that one person's page, I mean you're able to Um, one thing that brings life to me is when I've worked with somebody and I'm, I'm on one of those feelings, I just see them smiling. Oh my gosh, that brings me so much. Like, that just brings me so much because they were brave enough to reach out. And that's really what I tell people, like, reach out. Reach out. Reaching out, that's the first step to healing. That is. Just... It is. Knowing you're not alone and that there are others there that are listening. Right. That can help you on this journey because there are a lot of moments in my past that I wish that I had certain people, certain support, certain platforms that would have really, really helped me in my healing journey. And so now yeah. that I hope that I can give that back like how you do 
with others, being able to to listen, to be there. And yeah, it, technology can be hard. I mean, social media is very big right now. I mean, I feel old saying that because... <laughs> I remember when we first started up our computer as a family and we were fighting over it, dial up. <laughs> and now we've come so far and there's just so much content out there that can help heal others. And I just think that that is really, really awesome that it's out there, that, that we can all connect in that way, in a positive way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I always remember back Had a brother reach out to me, and he reached out to me, and I barely knew his name. And he goes, "Hey, I heard you going through your addiction experience, and I wanted to reach out." So I also went through my addiction, but and somebody walked with me. Like they would call me every day, or they would be, they were just with me as I walked to the other side. And he was telling me, he goes, "I remember that person telling me, I'm gonna walk with you because one day." help each other along the way and that's the point of this podcast and that was why I was so happy you reached out to me because that's what you're doing right now is you're walking with others and you're listening and you're helping them heal so I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me and getting your voice out there that I think a lot of people are going to be able to reach out to you and and hopefully find the strength to find their get on with their healing journey so yeah absolutely for the month of september each around each month i do like a series and then on for the month of september i'll be doing a no contact um uh, series so each day of the month during september i'll be posting a video on people who are on the detachment separation stage of when their relationship ends uh, and i'll be calling it the no contact where Yeah. Um, and I'll be I'll be giving tips and techniques on what helps and then I'll have like a PDF that you can uh, download uh, through kind of different different prompts of the separation stage of it. That's great. So where can people find you as far as your social media if they want to have a conversation or a session with you? Where can people find you? Yeah, the easiest way is really uh, TikTok is. That's just that that platform is run by one of the company uh, any type of alcoholism, addiction, uh, porn addiction, uh, and of course toxic relationships. And mm-hmm. then of course Instagram is also taken power back, but it's take the dot there dot power, which is a dot slash power, okay. um, and ends with the number two three. And then when they find you on there, they can. Uh, do you have like a website or, or somewhere they can contact you if they wanted to? Yeah. Yeah, I have a link tree up and then you can always, you can always direct message me. Um, 
great that's so powerful I love that keep doing what you're doing because I definitely see that it's going to help so many people so yeah so thanks for taking the, the time to talk to us and and being here absolutely when I interviewed Oscar I did not expect to be healed myself so much of what he went through in life prepared him to be a voice to others to remind them of their self-worth and their power. But the thing I noticed was his passion to help others, to show them that you are never alone and that you too can walk with someone someday because he walked with you. I leave you with a Phoenix quote. I've died a thousand deaths, each time reinventing myself brighter, stronger, and purer than before. From the midst of destruction, I became the creator of myself. From the midst of darkness, I became my own source of light. If you would like to be considered for the podcast or would like to help others on their healing journey, email me at becky at thephoenixrisingpodcast.com. Stay up is you are loved. The Phoenix Rising Podcast is licensed and trademarked and can only be represented through this podcast. Any other entities using the same name are not licensed or trademarked.